Welcome back to Naked in the Dark with your host and mental friend, Georgia. I'd like to first start off by thanking everyone who's already listened to the first and second podcast for taking your time to listen and embrace me. I appreciate the love and the support that I've received so far. And I look forward to the new faces and listeners to come. Depending on which platform you currently use, please don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and share. With the exception of a few DSPs, the podcast can be heard anywhere. So let's get into it. So I don't want to say that this is a rough one. But I am, um, I guess, exposing myself a bit much. So I want to back this up just a little, maybe a lot of bit if I'm not telling my age. Anxiety has always been a part of my life. I remember the feeling as a kid and liken it to more of a feeling like I just gotta go. Like I just have to do something. I have to move. When I first started drinking coffee, it was as a child. And those two feelings were very similar to me. The feeling always remained in in the pit of my stomach. It was just this excitement, like I just needed to do something. But I think, and I'm pretty sure I can say at that age, that's not what I related any of that to. So you carry that with you, right? So fast forward a bit, maybe preteen years, that would be my first bout that I've actually had with therapy. So I think it was before I turned 13, definitely. But it was my first encounter with a structured therapeutic service where I had someone that was for me. I remember my mother encouraging me to really open up to this person. And I remember this person telling me that if I do 
everything I said would be everything I said would remain between her and I. And the thing is, if I look back to that point, I don't remember a lot about our interaction of therapy. I definitely did not open up emotionally to her. But I found something very, very valuable in that, um, in that space of being told that I can say something and there was no consequence. Being raised in a large family, you have a tendency to have to stand up. It's not a, um, it's not a requirement. I don't want it to come across like in order for you to be in this family, you have to be like this big shining star that, nothing like that. It's just when there are so many people that are seated at the table, if you also want to be remembered at that table, you more than likely have to do something to appear present. The personalities in my family are wonderfully big. It's a great time when the whole collective gets together every time. But if you're like me, I'm an introvert. You tend to not be as authentic to self because you don't want to get left behind. You also tend to find in my family that as a child, the impression of not being heard and not being seen unless you're told to be heard or told to be seen is a big um, is a big impression left on kids at least in my generation and it's not a date to anyone let's let's be very compassionate and understanding to the people who came before the people that came before the people that came that learned what maybe would be a better mode in raising children 
you know, we always um, pick up and adjust things as we learn. And depending on how many parents were in the household, that could be another factor too. So none of this is a dig or a slight to anyone that came before me. It just is. So when you're in a space as a kid and you feel like you should not have a voice, having an adult tell you that you have this wide open pass to just say what you want I found it very As a kid, I didn't know what to do with that, but I knew it was something valuable. I knew it was something I needed to tuck in my pocket and lock away. I just didn't know if she was the person I wanted to give it to, so I didn't. So although my anxiety and my yeah, I would say at the time my my anxiety wasn't the basis of the therapy the therapy, excuse me. It was something that was mounting and growing. And I remember that driving force in high school. I remember that driving force in my 20s. I remember that driving force in that, in, in, I remember that driving force in my 20s. And I remember it not being I don't want to say effective because I'm not exactly sure if that feeling was ever effective misunderstood I thought it was something else as I said before I liken it to the feeling of coffee and by the time that I got to my 20s I'm pretty sure coffee had replaced water for me. I woke up with it. I went down with it. Excuse me, I have a lot of trucks to drive by. And it was a feeling that was very familiar and with most things that we are either addicted to we're used to we find commonplace 
You don't always look to remove that thing when something isn't right. We look for other things. So, fast forward into a space where my anxiety had become bigger than me. Bigger than the coffee feeling. Bigger than the feeling that was just in the pit of my stomach. It progressed to another layer, which is when the panic attack started. So I want to say this is roughly about 15 years ago. And it was at that time. Well, maybe not exactly at that time. Because my first experience with a panic attack was behind the wheel of a car. Fortunately for me, I was at a stoplight. And I just couldn't move. There was no oncoming traffic. There was... I wasn't in motion. And I wasn't in a position where my car was going to endanger anyone. But in a space where I'm locked Hands at 10 and 2, palms are sweating, holding on for dear life. I'm feeling like I'm barely breathing. I'm shaking. Cars are honking. People are like zooming around me. And I just simply can't move. My heart is. Beating at such a dense base, it's like it's sludge is moving through it. I can hear every single beat. And that was the most scariest moment I've ever experienced in my life. And I think it was because I've already been in a space where I've been introduced to therapy, that it wasn't a question for me where I needed to go back to. That feeling that I used to have where the anxiousness that sat in the pit of my stomach was more of a driving force that energized me in some of the, probably some of my worst moments. Um, either I'm frustrated and I use it to clean the house or I'm upset and I'm tired but it's pushing me through whatever it is I'm doing just to get me to the next space 
that feeling changed. Once things kicked into high gear and we pushed over into panic attack land, everything related to my anxiety started feeling different to the point where drinking coffee is just drinking coffee now. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't push me. It doesn't motivate me. And I can feel the massive difference. And when I'm having a physical reaction because I'm anxious. One thing I knew going into the therapy process again was that I had to be open and that I had to at least try. That although I didn't feel helped as a kid, I did understand or was able to interpret as an adult what I can get from this process if I gave it a try. Now, I don't want to sell this like I walked in the door and knocked this out the park and met someone that was amazing. Not the case at all. In fact, I think I went to two, I scheduled appointments with two other therapists before I settled on Miss Ann Gibson. And that's a very common name. And I don't think she's at the same practice anymore. But if I ever find her, I probably will give out her information because she was amazing. So one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up is because I, I found her methods useful. She wasn't encouraging me to take a pill, nor did she try to sway me from that prospect either. Her whole sole focus was to be an amazing sounding board for me, was to give me resources when I needed them, and to teach me how to build my toolkit of resources for myself so I can do what I can already do. So this meant discussions about how exercise has or can play a major 
part in bringing down that anxiety. Um, and I guess more aligned with where I am in this episode is that she spoke to me about affirmations and how the power of the way we think can be a motivating force, a driving force in how the rest of our life looks. So when you go down to its core, to affirm something is to state something as a fact. So when you are stating an affirmation, it is your declaration of truth. It is not what someone else thinks about you. It's not all of the things that you heard as a child growing up. It's not what your boss thinks about you. So it's not what was in your last review. No person that has a thought about you plays a part in this at all. So if you wake up today and you are the Incredible Hulk. You're the Incredible Hulk. That is your truth. I don't know how you're going to get green, but that is your truth. When I wake up in the morning, I seek to affirm who I am for me. So what she did was, she pulled out a stack of cards. Set this cup down. So she pulled out a stack of cards. And it was by an author named Louise Hay. And she flipped through the cards. And she pulled out one for me. And she said, what I want you to do is I want you to read this out loud. And I can't remember what card she gave me at the time. But she said, here, take this with you. And I want you to read these words out loud. But when you're reading these words, I want you to commit them to yourself. And at first, At first, when I started reading the words, and I'm reading them out loud, I don't know if I wasn't owning it. I don't know if I wasn't quite in the process yet. But it did nothing for me. And that's the honest truth. 
But I said that in order for me to go through this process, I needed to be open and I needed to at least try. So I didn't just say the words in the office and tuck the card. I put effort into the try. So I found myself walking around, repeating myself. Whenever there was a moment to stop, I reflected back on this card and repeated the words on the card. And I found myself going back to her in the next session, looking for more. What I had never been taught by anyone. I'm not going to just make this a, you know, a parental line of teaching. I think that um, my way of being raised was that of a village. I was raised by my mom, my aunties and uncles, my dad, my grandmother, my grandfather, and probably a host of family friends that were like aunts. I can't really say uncles. I don't think I've had any of those in my past, but I was never taught to speak to myself in a way that shined light, excuse me, on who I felt I was or believed myself to be. So once I heard this, and then started feeling this, I wanted more. So now I have a stack, that's a lot, I have a few stacks of affirmation cards. And I use them throughout my day-to-day life. Louise Hay makes um, affirmation cards. Box of 64, but you can log on to Amazon and find either her, her boxes, or other authors, um, creators, uh, illustrators, Affirmations are words, affirmations are pictures. These are things that you're saying to yourself, that you're applying to yourself. Um, But if you don't have the tools yourself, there are tools out there for you to use. So an affirmation is a simple statement about you And at the easiest form, at the smallest layer, at the smallest level, 
It's I am. I am beautiful. I am intelligent. I am creative. I am love. I am loving. I am nurturing. I am supportive. I am at peace. These are simple I am statements. And the beautiful part about these I am statements are these statements are personal to you. In these boxes, if you choose to go with someone else's illustrations or someone else's words, does not take away from the strength and power that you get from these words when you say them out loud. So I think that I'm going to leave this here and maybe even with a little homework. Give yourself a minute solely to yourself. And think solely about yourself. And in that space, I want you to come up with two I am statements for you to use throughout your day. Now, if you can only come up with one, that's fine. It's not a... This isn't a pass or fail. This is just a start. And I want you to reflect on that I am statement. When you wake up in the morning, while you're making your cup of tea, while you're sipping your tea, In the middle of your day, when your mind tends to wander, bring it back with that I am statement. If you find your mind focusing on oh, the traffic is picking up. If you find your mind focusing on some of the places in your life that make you feel tight, frustrated, annoyed, step away from that thought 
and come back to who you are. Come back to your I am. The confirmation is everything that you gained from this in time. When you're looking at holistic ways of trying to better yourself, it does not come with the same reactions, with the same instantaneous feeling that you get from a pill. So this I am statement that you take is not going to give you a woozy feeling. It's not going to give you a sluggish feeling. It's not going to give you an anxious speed up feeling. It's going to be a slow, gradual build. And it's going to take time. If it's not something that you're used to, it may take time. And it's fine. We're all here. And we're going to wait it out. Because the reward at the end far surpasses whatever you can get from a quick pill. So our goal here is to build these armies or to build this this armor of affirmations so we can seek to confirm our own growth in our life. to start off with making at least anywhere between one and two affirmations one to two I am statements and reflect on them throughout your day if you create some of your own no matter how small or long they are Please post them in the comments below. I think it would be very helpful for other people to get ideas of what an I am statement is, how broad or how small they can be, but just simply how powerful they can be. I look forward to the comments.
and I look forward to our next episode together. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and share with your friends. Till next time. Namaste.